You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. And we're back. This is Mission Lab, episode 71, called The Art of Dialogue. Yes, and I just want to get this out of the way right now because um, by the time you're listening to this, the New England Patriots will have lost another Super Bowl. Let me guess you're doing that because the last (laughs) time you said they were going to win. And, and they, they ended lost. up losing. Um, yes, so they ha- you will know by now that they lost another Super Bowl. And so... You're just trying to do reverse <laughs> psychology on our podcast. On our podcast, <laughs> yeah. Again, not that it really matters, but it's also... It does matter, but it doesn't matter. Um, so the art of dialogue. Camille, what in the world is this topic? Um, well, it's all about dialogue. Dialogue, yes. <laughs> So it's just talking about, um, I don't know if we've mentioned it before in the past or not, but being able to have conversations with people. And I know sometimes people find that very difficult to do, Mm -hmm. to start up a conversation or continue a conversation. Um, So what kind of pointers, Mm -hmm. uh, little tidbits can we do to help people as they are on mission and wanting to meet their neighbors wanting to go out into their communities, what kind of some advice that we can give them? Well, I think, I think this topic um, covers the whole gamut of, of the art of dialogue. We've talked a little bit before on some episode, which number I have no idea what it was, maybe 16-ish, um, the importance of stories and listening to people's stories and listening to them. Um, so it kind of overlaps with that. But I think, I think, the importance of the art of dialogue runs the gamut from how do I engage people in conversation missionally, but how do I also have hard conversations with people that may not be necessarily missional, but they're like discipleship related in the broad sense. And when somebody, um, you know, there's something tough going on between you and the other person because that's what part of being a disciple is, is learning to have hard conversations. And I think the, you know, you and I have been reading a lot lately about emotional intelligence and mm-hmm. specifically family systems and the tendency for some of us to distance from other people. What do, what do we I mean? What is that all about? So... Many of us fall into a couple categories. If you are, uh, when there's conflict, um, some people... And there will be conflict, especially when you are doing life together. Yeah. When you're in community together. But of course, with our families as well. Yeah. And one of the ways that we handle conflict is to be a distancer, which I usually tend to do. But it's great that I've been able to identify that because at least I can identify that. And now it's something I'm, st- I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So if there's conflict, I would much rather just be like, I'm out. Forget and, you. Yeah. Um, so I'm working on 
realizing that, accepting that, and then moving in a positive direction. Because mm-hmm. distancing doesn't resolve anything. No. It just like puts the problem underground. And the author we've been reading, we'll give a shout out to this book, um, The Dance of Intimacy by Harriet Lerner. Um, it was actually a book we did for my book club. Yes. Um, and I just, we all just loved it. So we actually just finished up with um, The Dance of Anger, also by Harriet Lerner. And just so many, many positive themes about working with um, family systems and how we engage with people and how we interact and handle conflict and resolve um, negative issues and that type of thing. And so I was just, I had pressed Sean so much like, baby, so you got to read this book. So I have finally joined her women's book And club. now he won't shut up about it. He's just like <laughs> talking about it all the time. Yes, I am. I'm almost done with it. Yeah, but I just think many people, and it happens in churches a lot. And of course, I as a pastor see it a lot that when there's conflict between two church members, they're always talking to that person about it, that person about it, that person about it, but they're not talking to the actual person that they need, that to, they be. need to be talking with. And, you know, there's a reason why Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 said, if your brother has something against you, go to him. Don't go to this person or that person. Don't try to make this triangle. Triangles, yeah. Like, just have those hard conversations. And I think think it's a gospel problem when we don't do that because we are so insecure in our, you know, value. And we don't recognize that our value and worth comes from God, not by having that person happy with me. And so when when I go to talk to somebody else about, another person, um, and and we're not saying, of course, you can never talk to a third party about someone. It's just the reason you're doing it, why, you know, how you're doing it. But when we refuse to go to that person face to face, it's because we are insecure in the gospel. So yeah, we just want to encourage. So what break that down, John, what do you mean insecure in the gospel? In other words, I do not sense that my ultimate value comes from God which prevents me from going and looking you in the eye and having a hard conversation with you because I feel as though my value comes from your opinion of me. Yeah. And so like, if I'm going to potentially go to you and feel devalued by you, that's, that, that's hard for me to do because I think that's where my security comes from. So that's why I say it's a gospel problem. Of course, there's all sorts of factors that that contribute to it, but ultimately it's a gospel problem. So just learning to go and talk to people and hear their their perspective and hear their story. Now sometimes we can't do it because we're just not emotionally, you know, we're not in an emotional space to do it. But um, that is so critically important if we're going to be in community with one another. Um, I think historically especially you know in the last hundred years or whatever like christianity has not been relational and so the idea that we need to have conversations we need to pursue reconciliation it's a nice christian theme that we hear about jesus but we don't 
we don't understand how that affects or the implications of that for our human relationships. And so now that we understand that Christianity at its core is a relational experience, we need to recognize that if we're going to be full disciples of Jesus, we need to have those hard conversations with one another. Are you following me, Camille? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's like a bird's eye view of that particular theme. But again, like having those conversations as well, the art of dialogue with people on a missional level. Um, some people, it's just staggering how we don't know how to talk to people who are different than us. Well, I think it's getting more difficult today just by all the technology that we have around us with uh, computers and smartphones and laptops and iPads and tablets. And uh, I think especially even generations coming after us, even though I think those technologies can be a problem for our generation as well and our problems, um, but the generations coming behind us even more so where it's so much easier to bury your head in their tablets or phones. And I mean, just my kids alone, like the amount of times they ask during the day, you know, can I look on Amazon or can, can I use my tablet or, you know, that type of thing. Um, I don't know where they get that from. <laughs> so, yeah, with just the amount of time we use in those devices instead of talking to people, mm-hmm. um, I think is going gonna, is gonna to be very, very interesting um, the research that will be done, you know, a decade from now on how that is affecting society as a whole. Well, I, I thought where you were going with that is that trying to dialogue with people is all the harder today. In addition to that, because we're so polarized and we're so extreme and it's like you're either for us or you're against us. There's no middle ground. And social media has a part to play in that because um, we get it's just like we're in an echo chamber. We, we just hear our own thoughts and perspectives like bouncing back at us. And like the way the algorithms work, it's curated so that the things we believe just get put up on our newsfeed. And so it's just like, it's a, it's a loop. Um, and so like the art of dialogue where I can genuinely learn about you and you can learn about me is just like a lost art. Just today I was I was hanging out with one of my friends who's Jewish and he and I have this awesome dialogue. We meet every couple of weeks and we just we just share with one another. Um, you know, he he has a degree in philosophy from Yale. Um, so he's, you know, he's very bright and intelligent. I don't know how I can keep up with him or if I do. But, um, but like, so we share with one another and it's, it's not threatening. Like I'm not threatened by his Jewish faith and he's not threatened by my Christian faith. And sometimes I'll say to him, you know, I don't want to be offensive, but this is what I understand about Jesus. And he says, no, 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 no. I, I, I check my offense at the door when we meet together. Like, so we just love learning about each other. And I think I think a lot of people have a hard time with that because, again, they're not secure in the gospel. And there's this sort of mindset within our particular brand of faith 
that, first of all, we already have everything figured out. Like, oh, no, no, there's nothing more for us to learn. No, Seventh-day Adventist theology is like the pinnacle of theological understanding. So what is there for me to learn from you? Why would I listen to you? Because I already have it all figured out. I tweeted this a few weeks ago um, saying eternity is going to be very long and boring for those of us who think we already have it all figured out. Like, what are we going to be doing for eternity if we think we already have it all figured out now? So, like, we we don't have a place to listen to other people and learn from other people. Or, secondly, which actually may be a bigger factor, is we don't want to listen to other people because we are not secure enough in our own beliefs that we f- would feel threatened by somebody else who has a different perspective that might cause me to question my own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was having this conversation with a friend of ours, Camille, um, Trent Bell. He has a podcast that um, Trent is on a journey trying to figure out faith. And um, he's, you know, I don't know what he would call himself right now. Maybe, I don't know, agnostic. But um, I've been on his podcast a few times, and I I said to him, you know, I don't think that people who um, are intolerant are intolerant because they are settled in their faith. I think they're intolerant because they're not settled in their faith. And if I don't feel grounded enough in my faith, then... I you automatically wanna... become defensive. Yeah, because if you're going to come along and like say something different, I'll be like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you know, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? And, you know, we have this added, added challenge. Again, our particular brand of faith is, though I do not think this is correct, and I don't think this is the way Adventist theology is properly understood, we have sort of given this... Uh, perspective that we are saved by what we know. And the way that we get to live and experience eternal life is by having the right answers. And so we're saved by knowledge, not by Christ. And so if, heaven forbid, I were to come to a place where Suddenly, I'm not sure that this particular idea that I once was taught is completely true. Now I'm like, oh my goodness, am I saved? Am I not saved? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, just be clear, we aren't saved by knowledge. That's right. We're not saved by knowledge. Yes, yeah, just. But also to be clear. For those who are listening, it might be a little confused. I think our listeners are very intelligent, Camille, and they followed me all throughout that. Well, I know they're intelligent. I wasn't sure if they followed you. <laughs> you're not sure if I'm intelligent. No, I know you're intelligent. I just wasn't sure if you. Did you follow me, Camille? <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> Let's just no. call it how it is. No, so. No, I, I just think that. Um, so what I've, as I've expressed as well recently, like. The more I journey, the more I want to hold with an open hand. And like, there's like the vast majority of 
things in the world, in the universe, I don't know. Like my knowledge is so incredibly limited. And so I want to have an attitude of humility and openness and listening because there's a lot for me to learn. And so like there are many things I've discovered I thought were black and white true when in reality they were cultural ideas. They were um, traditions that aren't necessarily based on the Bible. So bottom line is if I recognize that my security comes 100% in the love that God has for me, I will be free to enter into dialogue with people to love people, to listen to people, because I won't feel threatened by them having a different perspective on whether Saturday is the Sabbath. Because my security does not come from the 100% complete truth that Saturday is the Sabbath. Don't get me wrong, I think Saturday is the Sabbath. But my security comes in Jesus. And so I won't feel threatened by you disagreeing with that. Does this make sense, Camille? Yeah, definitely. So another part of this dialogue um, that we're talking about is being able to have conversations with people um, and it not be awkward or hard. And I think going along with that is uh, is being able to ask people questions. Yeah. And um, listen to what they're saying. And I know all of us could probably work on listening better what's that (laughs) um so people love to talk about themselves we may have mentioned that before and if you didn't know people do like to talk about themselves so asking people questions can actually be fairly easy so if you find it challenging or hard um to strike up dialogue or conversation with people um Maybe ahead of time, there's nothing wrong with this. Think of questions. Like if you know you're going to be um, maybe at a work event where there's going to be um, a number of people there that you don't know or you casually know, um, think of questions ahead of time. And um, Like what are some questions? Like where did you grow up? Um, did you always want to, you know, do this for a job? Um, you know, what made you move to Maine? Um That assumes they all live in Maine. Have you ever traveled outside of the U.S.? Uh, How many kids do you have? Where do your kids go to school? What are some of your, you know, happiest memories from, you know, childhood or? Yeah. Yeah. Or what do you, what do you do for, what do you do for fun outside of work? Um, You know, anything that you might be interested in are great questions to ask. Do you like camping? Like that's one thing Sean and I like to do. Do you like to run? Um, you know, and open-ended questions are always better, of course, not yes, yes or no. Yes, yeah. it can be challenging. I will say though, it can be challenging, and I have been in these situations a number of times where you're you're asking tons of questions of people, then there's and there's like this back. one or two word answer, and you're just like, oh shoot, I'm running out of questions. So I do understand it. It can be challenging at times, but for the most part, people do enjoy. Um, talking about their life and their family their values yeah and and don't be afraid to ask the religion question like um like that that can have a a tendency to open up a a a big 
uh, window into their their values and 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 you know worldview. You know, don't say, "Do you go to church?" Like, you know, it might be appropriate to say that, but you know, one way I've found to like ask that question, of course, if people have already discovered that I'm a pastor, you know, they can probably anticipate that that is going to come, you know, their way. But you know, one way to ask it is not by asking them what they do now, but saying like, Hey, tell me like when you were growing up, you know, was your family religious at all? Um, and you know, that might be a way because ultimately when we're in dialogue with people, we really want to get to the heart and questions of faith and values and worldview. Those are some of the ultimate questions of life. Um, that everyone's asking that everyone yeah. everyone is pondering everyone is um, and wanting more knowledge for themselves on and don't you know don't keep badgering about any particular issue but especially religion don't like you know you ask the question they 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 answer it they you know their response will likely indicate whether they want to keep going down that road or they don't want to keep down going down that road and just like okay drop it you ask once and then you know maybe 10 minutes later you circle back around to it maybe you don't circle back around to it maybe you do a month from now you know i think part of that is being able to read on social cues Mm -hmm. which i know some people are more gifted than others but you can learn but yeah you definitely can learn um yeah, just yeah. So like I think kind of what Camille was getting at is that um it's actually very rare for people to actually take a genuine interest in you and ask you about you. We've talked a lot about this how um Camille and I like we thrive when it comes to asking people about themselves. But it's very rarely reciprocated, and um, I just think that's the way many people are. Like well, they I just. Think pa- I've told Sean. I think part of it is is his role. He's already in like a mentorship role mm-hmm. because of the job that he has. So when he meets with people, a lot of the time it's for them to get like me to like I'm in the the counselor the counseling role. role. Yeah, yeah, I so, get that. But even in in context where people don't know that, or even in context where I might be with a colleague who also is a pastor or whatever, it's like it's so astounding. And and you know, this is not just that role because um, we were recently told a story by an anonymous source <laughs> that they were at a retreat with you know as a leader of their church. They were at a retreat with like five or six other people, including two pastors. They had all gone from their church together to this kind of conference. And the individual said to us the whole entire weekend, the pastors did not ask them one single question about themselves with the exception of when they were driving home, they asked them where, what's your address so we can put it into our GPS to, to get you back to your house. And it was just like mind blowing that, um, here are pastors that like don't ask questions of their church members. 
And uh, we had other people telling us the same thing. They were traveling and they had like, they went out to eat with three or four on three or four different occasions. And the whole time, not one single question was asked about them. Um, and I was telling Camille recently that there's somebody that I've known for like a decade almost. And I can never remember one time that person asking me a question about me. And just a few weeks ago, they asked a question. And I was like, I almost fell down and I'm like, I couldn't believe it. And then not only that, they asked a follow-up question. And I was like, so people can learn. Wow. That is amazing. Um, but people feel so valued when we take a genuine interest in their life and we genuinely want to know about their life. And, you know, we're not sharing this for like sympathy, like, Oh, poor us. Like all we want to do is talk about ourselves and nobody ever asks us about us, but like it is so rare and yet so refreshing to have genuine give and take with people. And it's just so gratifying and it makes you feel valued and loved and important and so, like, if we want people to feel loved and valued, and if we want them to understand that they are loved and valued by God, it's not going to happen apart from us. And one of the ways in which they will feel loved and valued is if we enter into dialogue with them and we listen to them and we, you know, take a genuine interest in their story and their life. Um, so yeah, this is covers the gamut. Like I said, hard conversations with fellow disciples or family members or fellow church members, um, whatever the case may be, with fellow um, coworkers, whatever. Just like having those hard conversations, but also entering into on a missional sense, entering into dialogue with people who have a different understanding than we do. And we might actually learn from them and grow from them and realize, oh, you know, I didn't have that right. And you're, you know, what you've said makes sense to me. Um, and as well, just having them feel valued and that they're important and they have a story that deserves to be heard. And again, if you're an introvert or an extrovert and you feel like having dialogue, opening up a dialogue with someone can be challenging, just practice. Um we we tell this to our kids all the time where, you know, they're struggling to ice skate or they're struggling to ride their bike or struggling to read or whatever it might be. We just say practice. The more you practice, the better you're going to get at it. And um, I remember uh, when I was in high school, uh, I, I did a number of I played flute like for since the fifth grade. And my, we should have you do a special yeah. number here in one of these episodes. I haven't really picked it up in a while. I could play my violin. You could play your flute. Yeah, we'll wait for people to ask for that. <laughs> Anyways, um, I remember my senior year in high school, I played my flute so many times that by the end of the year, like up front, I'm saying by the end of the year I was so comfortable with it whereas when I had first started I remember doing recitals and like my hands sweating so much and like basically thinking I was going to drop the flute out of my hands because my hands were so sweaty and like shaking and so all it does is take practice so um and there's nothing wrong with that nothing to be ashamed of you know think of some questions type them out ahead of time and just practice them um practice them on a close friend or practice them on a spouse or just in the you know, silence of your own room or whatever. But um, there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. So this has been Mission Lab, episode 71. 
How to have dialogue. The art of dialogue. The art yes. of dialogue. Yes. Okay. <laughs> See you next time. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast. Thank you.